Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget the bug spray as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined, as always, by my pal, Mark Matsky. Hey, I am. Uh, we're once again coming to you live and direct from Monsteropolis University. We have the headquarters. We have um, effects wizard. Santino Vitali in the house today. Yeah. He's doing color grading on the Mothman Legacy, which by the time you're listening to this episode, Mothman Legacy will be out of my hands. It will be on to 1091. So Does that seem weird? I to am you? elated. <laughs> I, I am done. Ready for Junior to leave the nest. Yeah, I'm handing it off. Um, no, it doesn't seem weird. It seems like I've been working on it too long. Because mm-hmm. the, the typical STM movie turnaround is not this long. Like we started shooting it in December of last year, and it's it's by the time we turn it over, it's going to be August. So it's going to be eight, about it's per, over eight months of having a single project in our hands. It's a yeah, very extensive period of time for us. This is probably the most air quotes circumstances, you know, that have gotten in the way of a project yeah. so far. We were talking about it. Um, who was I just talking about it with? Oh, during the creative board meeting last mm. night, people wanted to know like how, how things been dealing with like the coronavirus or whatever. And that particular project went through so, so many challenges because of it. Um, the biggest was, so there's a couple that were pretty big. One was that I shot all the, I had to shoot all the recreations myself. So every recreation was shot by me. I didn't have a crew on any of them except Les Odell and Ron Lanham. Mm-hmm. Um, other than those two, it was me with a camera shooting the recreations. On those two, um, I had Aaron Gascon. So Aaron was in the car. Aaron's Ron in the recreation. Oh. <laughs> And then in less in yeah. less the scene, I'm less. Right. So I'm playing less and Ron Sleeping. and it's yeah, and it's uh Aaron on the camera, that's, making sure the camera that's awesome. yeah. is lined up. So, um, you know, it's, I mean, it's funny because like in some ways this felt very much like a return to the early days of STM. It's just like doing it with more gusto or mm-hmm. something like the. I think visually it comes across a lot better than some of our early stuff. Um, and I have to say, I just listened to the finished sound yesterday mm-hmm. with a pair of decent headphones and it knocked me over. It was so good. Yeah, I can't wait for people great. to 
get a load of it because mm-hmm. it, it really enhances everything incredibly well. I've always heard that you uh, underestimate two aspects of the movie. Uh, everyone underestimates, and they're two of the biggest parts of it. And one is the color and the other is the sound mm-hmm. and like the sound design. And uh, I, I feel like I get to a point with every movie where you've done all you can do and you're kind of like at this point where you're just tink- tinkering with yeah. it, you know, and I'm never happy. I'm never satisfied with any movie. And then you see it with like the sound and you're like, oh man, yeah, that, that helps. And then you see it with the color and you're like, oh yeah, it's just like you, you, th- I think so visually when it comes to the stuff that I get wrapped up in like the visual side of it. And then when you see it with all the parts, mm-hmm. you know, in, inserted, it kind of helps the whole thing. But yeah, John did a great job. With yeah, the that hit design. me in a new way in the prologue, just the, the simple, like the shutting of the screen door mm-hmm. and all the sounds were exactly right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, that had never been a part of the rough cut before that. Right. I was like, and you've probably That's the level of detail that he goes through. Would you say that you've seen the roughs of this more than I feel like you've seen more roughs of this than you usually do? Uh, maybe. I mean, uh, probably. Yeah, probably more versions of mm. of it. He he. Um, I can't remember who it is. I mean, this is like this is all common knowledge, but like there's you're trying to translate the human experience, the sense like you're trying to 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 involve all the senses, right? Obviously not smell, although they did smell a vision. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're trying to involve all the senses in, in, in the movie. So you've got the, you've got to visually obviously portray a lot, but the, the, the sound is such a huge element of that. And you're right. Like the little, the tiniest things mm. are stood out to me. Um, one thing I really like, he does this. I, I do the little like quick cuts with like the film burns and stuff. Mm. And they always bother me until he comes along and inserts the sounds where they're, they're at. There's always something when I, not, they bother me. I just, I, when I watch them, I'm like, something's missing here. Uh, like it doesn't work. Yeah. Right. And then he puts the sound in. I'm like, Oh, it's perfect. Like, it's fine. Yeah. It's good. It's a good transition. So he did the other thing he did that. I don't know if you noticed, but there's transitions between scenes where he added sounds mm. that are in a, in a moment that would otherwise be really quiet. That right. I, that I think is, is very cool. Yeah. Subtly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it's really, it's really cool. Uh, to see that get added the the mothman's uh like the sound that there's a common sound that keeps coming back up it's kind of like this giggle thing mm-hmm. um that was as cool as i was hoping it would be yeah when i told him about it initially so um the movie's done it'll be two kickstarter backers in mid-september along with the book uh adrian actually got the proofs of the book oh um so we wow. we're full speed ahead with the book um and I'm pretty jazzed for you to really dive into that. Did I send you the PDF? I yes. Did you actually look at it? I, oh yeah. Okay. I looked at it. It's yeah. All right. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so there will be a few, <clears throat> there are going to be a few extra copies of the book, but not many at all. So if you see us post the book onto the web store, I'm talking like maybe 10 copies. Like there's very few copies of this book that are going to be available for the general public. This was mostly supposed to be just a Kickstarter reward. So if we post that, you're going to, and you want a copy, you're going to have to hop on it almost immediately. Uh, Cause they'll disappear. 
Kind of like the first run of SDM hats. <laughs> and second. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so anything else we needed to talk about? I can't think of There's no announcements to make. I mean, we got nothing coming, really. No, not really. We do have... We have letters. Yeah. Okay. We'll do one letter mm-hmm. now, and we'll do another letter okay. in a future episode. Yeah. This is um, from our pal, Andrew Smith, from the Flatwoods Monster Museum. Hi, Seth and Mark. I've been meaning to ask... What's with the slap on some clown paint and zip up your leather pants intro that plays from time to time? P.S. We're open now. And I, that's the museum in, what is it? Flatwoods Monster Museum in Sutton, Sutton, West Virginia. Yes. Home of the Elk Theater, where we premiered the Flatwoods Monster. That seems like another life. Oh. Because people were crammed in that place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Inhaling each other's air. Yeah. Oh, that's a terrible way to put that. Even, <laughs> even pre-corona, um, there's no reason for the slap on some clown paint. The fact is, we did three intros, um, three variations of the intro, and that was like the silly one. And for some reason, I think I use the silly one most often because it's the first that pops up when I do my search <laughs> when I'm editing the show. And it would really only work if I used it like once every couple months. So people forgot about it and then they heard it. And instead, I think most of the time that's it's what I, that has become the intro for the show. Yeah. Um, so it's not supposed to be, it's uh, that's supposed to be like every now and then we use that. The show and this show originally was going to be like, branded quote-unquote branded to be this like kind of like uh i'm trying like i wanted it to have this like 1940s cereal vibe and i don't think we ever went all the way with it (laughs) (laughs) thank god yeah so i don't think that'll work um yeah originally that was what i was going for so um but we occasionally do apply the paint just to record yeah i mean it puts you in the mood well and i'm never not in my leather pants so for me yeah i just watch the bts you'll see yeah all the leather that we wear you know what before we get into the okay so uh this week's show is about the bigfoot world bigfoot community um which i have remained blissfully ignorant of for the most part so i don't i don't have a lot of insight into what is going on and i also don't know where to start now that i'm talking do you have thoughts on where to start (laughs) well uh we could uh, yeah i have one idea and Mm -hmm. that is we talk about the state of the community as such this Mm -hmm. has been a tough year for it because the main fabric of that community is conferences yes and meeting together Mm -hmm. and that has not been able to happen yeah and there's been fits and starts and reschedules and people canceling. And it's just, I think, in a state of disarray Mm -hmm. in that regard, because not only is that, you know, from a community standpoint, one of the main places where folks have gotten together and to spend time with one another, but it's kind of the lifeblood of any small business that's, you know, needs those conferences Mm -hmm. and, schedules consecutive weekends being out uh, to be able to continue. So I think this year has put a particular strain on sort of the conference end of the Bigfoot community. I don't know what's going to happen. The the biggest ones have been canceled. The IBC was international Bigfoot conference was canceled. Now, having said that two of the biggest are taking place in the next, over the next three weeks, uh, 
this weekend, uh, the Great Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference is still going. And that's the one in Gatlinburg that saw thousands of people last year. Right. Um, their speakers include Bobo, mm-hmm. Lyle, Ken, Ohio Night Stalkers. A lot of people tied to STM, actually. Right. <laughs> All four of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Pruitt is the is the MC, and he's a NAWAC member and producer of the Bigfoot Beyond podcast, which is a strange strange thing to me to think of someone in the NAWAC producing Bigfoot podcast that isn't Brian Brown on the Bigfoot Mm -hmm. show. But anyway, um, Matt Pruitt's going to be down there. It's it's a, it's, it's It looks like an awesome event. Honestly, if I hadn't been coming off like our trip and like the the Bigfoot journey trip and Mothman legacy shoot, I probably would have considered going just because I, I feel like I want to be around some other Bigfoot dorks for mm-hmm. a little while. Sure. It'd be cool. Um, the other one that's still going on is the Ohio Bigfoot conference, which I don't know if you've been following that. I was actually supposed to be at that event. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I am now. Cause I think they rescheduled it for August. Yeah. It's the weekend where we're going to still be gone making uh right. August 15th. Hold up. No, I'll be back in town. See, I guess. And that's part of what, made me think of this first because yeah. I thought I saw August 4th. Maybe I misinterpreted something on Facebook, but mm. it sounded like a number of the speakers had, had um, canceled. No, that is true. I, I believe the speaker lineup is now considerably different from what it originally was. I'm trying to find the speaker lineup, but they don't have it on the Facebook yeah. page. So and that I just put so much strain on everybody, yeah. you know, the organizers and trying to, hold an event together yeah. I, i'm hopeful that the is it gatlinburg where that one is yes place yeah that that goes off without a hitch um yeah um well, i mean like you you'll get into some issues here that are that are that you know, everybody has their own opinions on how we should be approaching this stuff and and most of them don't align and people are very vehemently in one camp or the other. So right. I don't want to get too deep into it, but I, I, the, the Ohio Bigfoot conference is taking place August 15th. They have social distancing measures in place that where they're limit. I don't know if you've read up mm-hmm. on it. Like I know, I know what the great smoky mountain Bigfoot conference did is they booked a, a much larger venue to allow for more room, uh, actually the biggest venue in Gatlinburg. Oh, wow. Um, and then what OBC is doing is speakers are all doing two presentations hmm. so they can stagger half, you know, half in one of half in one speaking presentation, half in the other, right. um, which for the speakers, that's gotta be daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would also extend the, the length of the event. I would assume over more, there's no way you're getting all the speakers in doing two presentations in one day. It would have to extend over two days. Yeah, I would assume. It, I, Sounds and then vendor areas are staggered across three floors now. Okay, 15th. Are you and Andy in town? You want to go? Yeah, I think so. We're not anywhere else. I'm gonna go down there. (laughs) I had talked, I talked, uh, I talked to Mark Deworth actually like months ago about coming down there because originally Cliff was going to be there and I was going to go talk to him. I don't know that Cliff is still going to be there. I can't find their speaker lineup. Yeah, yes, what I saw yesterday. His name after a cliff was out. So I'm assuming that means, okay, that means he bailed he's out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of those events that have canceled. There was supposed to be a big one in Minnesota. I don't think that's still going on. 
Um, yeah, it was, it's, you know, like the, there's a lot of people we've talked about the, the weird, um, pushback against any aspect of Bigfoot where people make money. You know how people like, oh, yeah, you're just in it for the money. Oh, sure. And I, I believe that that can be a problem. Like, I think we've talked about that before, too. But but the conferences, the best thing about the conferences, I think you've already stated this, so I'm probably just restating it, is that it is a, a way for people to come together in person who otherwise are just conversing online and have meaningful conversations about a subject that they find worth their time. You know, where and most people are going to look at something like the cancellation of a Bigfoot conference and say, "Who cares?" But for a lot of these people, and for people like you and me, it's yeah. a huge loss. Mm-hmm. Like it really is. Um, and all losing all the sort of like paranormal, you know, weird subject conferences. It, there's a lot more to it than just someone's out a few thousand dollars that puts the event on. You know, like right. You have it's a it's a it's it's a fellowship in a way. Uh, of of people that are into a, a common topic, so mm-hmm. yeah. Um, beyond that, the the uh, state of the Bigfoot world, the corona, the other thing that coronavirus is affecting, obviously, is I'm curious how much has affected the time people are spending in the woods, because I know groups like the NAWAC they're still going out, like they're still going into X, but it, is it affecting people's time in the woods and is it affecting it in a positive or negative? I would almost assume that people are spending more time in the woods due to the fact that there's nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a way uh, on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey is kind of about that. Like you, the, the the coronavirus might have helped push, might help push people back out, you know, into the great outdoors Mm. that hadn't been going out. Yeah. I mean, the groups we spent time with, I think they would have been out whether or not we we're, there. we're going to, yeah. to, you know, film them and talk to them. Yeah. And that's probably, I would assume it as well, that that's um, with options limited, you know, people will really make use of those, the public lands, especially. And I mean, yeah. we saw that on the, the weekend of the fourth. Oh yeah. I mean, we were driving through, I think I mentioned this on our, one of our recap shows, but we were going through an area of the Adirondacks at five thirty in the morning to go home and there was not a single parking spot in these trailhead parking lots because people were there specifically to be there for sunrise, mm-hmm. you know, hike up to whatever mountain vista in order to watch the sunrise. And I think that's probably carried through, um, not just in on holiday weekends, but I'm there's probably a lot of more people out in the woods right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's one of the, the options that there is to, yeah. that, that people feel comfortable doing. And, um, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, I follow on, especially on Instagram, I follow a ton of national parks mm-hmm. and state so parks I, yeah. and stuff like that. And it seems like they've been the first to open up and accommodate, be as accommodating as possible for yeah. people coming in and making use of those lands. Um, has, do you think the coronavirus has affected Bigfoot? Um, I don't know. I, somebody posted, uh, that was kind of a joke. <laughs> Somebody posted on my timeline that picture of Bigfoot with the mask on. So I think he's taking appropriate. Well, someone action. posted in our group about, do you think uh, Bigfoot can, can contract COVID-19, which is a weird 
kind of stupid thing to think about. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, the tiger caught it. And they, didn't they say there was like a gorilla or something that caught it at a zoo? Mm-hmm. So you have to believe that Bigfoot could potentially catch it as well. Um, well, you can tell I hadn't done no prep for, <laughs> for this particular episode. Um, elsewhere, as far as like evidence and things like that, has there been anything that you've seen in the last year that really grabbed your attention relating to like Bigfoot evidence, like video? The story that sticks out is that very recent FLIR image. Sierra. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't check it out yeah. like very closely, but as far as presenting evidence of anything, that's the one that and that's tied to, to, mind. to Matt Moneymaker was the one that like, mm-hmm. but it's a BFRO. Uh, so for listeners who are unaware, there's an image. Uh, it's a FLIR image um, of a figure kind of running off into the woods. My problem with that is it could be literally anything. It could be a guy in a tracksuit. It could be a, what, what is it about that image that people are saying that's a Bigfoot? Is it just, I see, that's what I'm unclear right. on. And is like when I had first heard about it, it was strictly an image or a series of images with no um, interpretive context. context. So it was very hard to make, you know, to draw any conclusions at all. Yeah. And I haven't heard it since then if there has been any information yeah. release around it. I have no idea. But that, to me, that's the one thing that really, has, during this past year, has, you know, really caught big-time attention. There was that Salt Fork video. Do you remember? No. A little bit of the... No. Anything yeah. that comes out of Salt Fork, I yeah. whistle. Yeah, Can there it, was some alleged Salt Fork footage that was taken that was you know, fairly suspect and, and could even have been read as tongue in cheek in the video itself. I'm so I'm not sure. Okay. I do know which one. Yeah. yeah. Like not taking us off down a rabbit trail, but do you think that at maybe like 10 years ago, Bigfoot quote unquote evidence was more prominent than it is today? Because I feel like what the, the exciting stuff that's happening is kind of off the radar. Um, yeah. Sure. And I think that's by design. Yeah. But you know, well, like a like a group like the Olympic Project, for right, example. The Olympic Project or the NAWAC, but that isn't even really what I'm thinking of. Okay. I, I I get messages from people all the time like, hey, check this out, like this happened to me. And I'm like, Well, that's interesting. Why is that not being talked about on Facebook or message boards? I guess the thing that most recently springs to mind is like the Ohio Night Stalkers. Like my, Mike Feltner sends me clips all the time of stuff. But it isn't like being taught that stuff isn't I 10 years ago when I was first really getting into it, every single piece of video, audio photograph would get analyzed in like just to an insane degree by, by podcasters, by you know, YouTube videos. And today I just don't see that like we did 10 years ago. Yeah. I almost feel like it's too there. It's too diffuse. You know, there's too many outlets Mm. now mm. where things just get lost mm. where 10 years ago there were fewer options but now it seems to me like you know you can post something and it just doesn't show up yeah or there there's just so many voices out there now that there is no one or two clearing houses for the, this information so that it's almost like we've we've turned the corner from being you know the information largely came through newsletters and books and the occasional TV show. 
And now with the rise of social media and everyone has a podcast, which yeah. is something else I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, it's almost as if it, we're not able to pay attention or gather all of that information in one place. I'm sure it's out there. Mm -hmm. I, I bet there's websites and Facebook pages and blogs still, uh, uh, YouTube channels where people are posting their findings, but it's just everywhere instead of in just one or two places where you can go and check it out and make decisions. Yeah. It's just something I've noticed more, more recently is I don't see the level of like, of course, when you do anymore, I feel like most of the time what people are posting are still these like circled images of like clear, clearly what is nothing like that's a red circle around a, a shadow and a tree or whatever. So I can't remember the last time I saw a video or f footage that captured my attention it probably was that Florida there was like a, Oh yeah. I, I don't think that's anything. Brandon was super into that video, but I think Brandon still talks about that video yeah. as being intriguing, but that was the last thing that caught my mm -hmm. attention. I haven't had anything that's grabbed me in a while. Yeah. It seems to me like there's a lot of sounds stuff that's posted mm -hmm. online, you know, like, um, oh, it's the easiest to fake. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, not only that, but it's, you know, I, what I have discovered just personally is that I have no idea what sounds creatures make. No. You know, and I read about it all the yeah. time, like bobcats make this sound yeah. and mountain lions make this variety of sounds. What are, the but herons. Have, yeah, right. Those herons that I played for you. Yes. Yes. So I find myself going to like YouTube and mm -hmm. clicking on, you know, what sounds these things make. And yeah. It's very easy at, at this point now to say, yeah, it could very well, if it's not an out-and-out -out fake, mm -hmm. people could very easily be misidentifying the sounds that natural creatures make because it's, there's there's such a variety. Like one animal can make three or four distinctive sounds, and some of which are very strange, yeah. that if I were out camping and I heard that, I wouldn't know what to chalk that up to. Like yeah. elk, if you've ever click on, you know, look for elk sounds on hmm, YouTube. Really? It's unbelievable. Wow. The sounds that they make, yeah, you know, including the whole, the old, um, sounded like a woman being murdered mm -hmm. that you hear all the time in Bigfoot literature. Yeah. That's an elk sound. Is it really? Oh yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like that, it, it, that makes me wonder if there is a, an, uh, a sudden, like large number of people going into the woods that never have. And, and you would assume that that would extend to Bigfoot, to maybe younger people is what I'm thinking of that haven't spent a lot of time in the woods who are now drawn to the woods to go look for Bigfoot. If those people are going out in the woods, you would assume they're going to be misidentifying things by the truckload because I, I misidentify things. The first time that video Heather sent me, she sent me that video with no context. She didn't tell me where she was, what she was doing. She said she was down by Minerva and I was like, that might be something. And she's like, no, it's Heron. Like they're, they yeah. were right there. Yeah. Like I didn't know that. Like, I right. didn't know herons could sound like, no. like people screaming at each right. other. Exactly. Like Making super bizarre. Weird murmuring sounds yeah. and stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the podcasting thing, were you about to talk about the fact that everyone's launched a podcast with? Well, yeah. And I, I, there, there's pros and cons to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly on one hand. You got Monsteropolis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hogging the uh, internet bandwidth, but yeah. um, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the rise of everyone with a podcast has really been remarkable. Mm-hmm. But I, having said that, and we can probably talk about the, you know, what's good about that and maybe what's what's not so good. But I've really been struck by the rise of like a new wave of podcasters who are, you know, relatively new to the subject and their enthusiasm for it really comes through. Mm-hmm. And that, there's something exciting about that to me. And yeah. I'm thinking of like Bigfoot Society, Jeremiah at Bigfoot Society. Emily. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Forest Floor. Yeah. At Cryptid Chat Girl. I mean, there's this whole new wave of of podcasters who have a sincere interest in the subject mm-hmm. and they enjoy talking to people who enjoy talking about it. Yeah. And that really, that makes me happy and hopeful that there's going to be a continued interest in unexplained the, phenomena. The thing about those particular voices, because I haven't gone f- too far beyond there, like maybe the Moth Boys and stuff like oh, that. Right, but but right. um, But... The, there is a genuine interest in the subject, um, a, a wide-eyed enthusiasm about it, and uh, I just don't see the, the, I don't see the negativity connected to it yet. Maybe, maybe that'll, I'm, I'm assuming that'll happen to them. I hope it doesn't. Because I, what I like about that is it's a genuine fondness for everything connected to Bigfoot right, right now. And right. They, they don't spend time talking about the crotchety old man stuff that you and I tend to yes. talk about a lot. Um, and, and they're also, the other thing about those people is they're not camo dudes. So they're mm-hmm. not, they're not dudes in camo out there, you know, like running through the, and I'm not, this isn't a call out of the NAWAC <laughs> or the right. Olympic project. I'm right. saying there is a very specific type of Bigfooter that is very loud about their Bigfoot evidence. And they tend to be these camo dudes, these dudes that, well, I spent all my time in the woods, get out from behind your computer and get out mm-hmm. in the woods kind of guys. Yeah, right. Um, and these, those podcasts you mentioned, they're definitely not that. And we need, I, I think we need that. I, yes. But you definitely need younger voices mm-hmm. coming to Bigfoot. But um, I agree. That's that's something to think about. What's the negative, though? You mentioned cons. Well, I think it, it kind of touches on your original point with um, you know, the reporting of findings is that now it's almost I mean, technology is advanced to the level where if you have a computer and an Internet hookup, uh, you can figure out how to post a podcast. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you and I both know that a lot that you, you kind of have to you have to love every part of it or you would never do it because it just, after a while it demands attention and content. Yeah. And there's just a, I mean, at a certain level, everyone having a podcast is yeah, what I'm, what I fear is that we end up talking about the same 15 stories mm-hmm. between everybody, Yeah, you know, and, uh, and along with that is, you know, what makes, what does make a podcast compelling? I mean, I'm not sure I understand, <laughs> but you know, when you we, hear we it. We obviously yeah. have no idea. <laughs> we're, we're still trying to perfect <laughs> that uh, formula for ourselves. But I don't know. I mean, I think one thing that I, I'm always super concerned about, and I think it's because I, in my everyday vocation, I'm always writing. Mm-hmm always writing something for the next week. So I'm super sensitive about cliche. I'm super sensitive about 
just stating the same thing over and over again. And what I fear for the Bigfoot field in general is that you get a bunch of people talking about the same thing and they, they just end up saying the same thing over and over again. And after a while, nobody pays attention to any of it. And just to piggyback on the negativity here, um, the <laughs> other thing I think that's this huge drawback is the proliferation of proven hoaxes that keep coming back up because new voices or new people who just got into the subject. And this is not a fault of their own, by the way, but, but at the same time, some of it is their fault. Like Todd standing should not still be talked about kids. Like, I don't know how many times we got to do this. Right. Like, like, uh, Although it is fun. It is fun. Like it keeps <laughs> things fun for me, but it's like how long until someone starts reposting about the Georgia Bigfoot hoax, oh, like the, right. the freezer hoax. Yeah. Because I mean, this stuff has been stuff that's been proven to be a hoax will pop back up every, every few, well, at this point it's like every, it feels like every few months you start seeing the same stuff popping back yeah, up. And that gets reported, even if it's acknowledged as a hoax, it gets reported as history, mm -hmm. which honors it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's the problem, yeah. you know, is that it, it honors the hoaxer by giving the hoaxer attention, which is one of the things that I they're think after. what you're what you're for an example, I, th I saw someone post online yesterday a photo that is uh, was a hoax. Apparently it was like a a uh, Home Depot werewolf on a roof and someone had taken it really out of focus. And and um, and the, per the person that posted it posted it and said, uh this has been proven to be a hoax, but it's still a cool picture and posts it. Yeah. And I was just like, well, don't post it then. Like, why, why are we posting yeah. it? Because then what happens is someone's going to take that photo. They're going to save the photo. They're going to repost it in their paranormal Facebook group. And they're going to leave out the mm -hmm. part about this yeah. is proven hoax. And then it gets, then we, the circle starts again. The cycle starts again. That, that, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that brings up another con of everyone having a podcast. And mm -hmm. that is the acknowledgement of source material. Yeah. You know, and that sort of is a, a sidebar to what you were just saying. But, you know, I saw this in a whole other fandom very recently where somebody you know, went through the trouble of taking a picture that meant a lot to that fandom and wanted to be acknowledged as the, the person responsible for that photograph. But in the internet era, that rarely happens, mm -hmm. that that attesting follows the picture all the way through. Right. So that then people just start, you know, copy and post to their own thing. Yeah. And uh, STM has seen that, especially in terms of visuals. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah, we just, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, people take, take our imagery all the time. In fact, mm -hmm. I think at this point I, I might not be off in saying that the, the Sam Sheeran's Mothman might be the most well-known version of the Mothman out there. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. Like Sam's version of the Mothman is everywhere. It's on snow cone carts that are at the Mothman yeah. festival. It's every Google image search you do. They're using the Mothman and point pleasant poster in some of the stories about the Mothman legacy. They're using that version of the Mothman in the in the thumbnail image. So none of this is to say <clears throat> none of this is to say that people should not be talking and writing and creating content about Bigfoot. I don't think. No. I think all we're doing is sort of pointing out what might be the pros and Yeah. This is a critique. It's just a critique. Critique. But and, and having said that, there's nothing wrong with borrowing information. Mm-hmm. 
or, you know, and, and people who do podcasts probably should look into, you know, intellectual property yeah, and fair use co- ideas. Your, cover your butt. But for cite your sources. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to yeah. is if, you know, I we've always been fairly careful about, you know, if we're using a resource, mm-hmm. like I'm looking at a stack of books right now, if we're talking about Earthlights, then I will tell you we're looking at this book, Earthlights Revelation by Paul Devereaux. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not trying to get anything out of that, but we you should cite your sources, yeah. whatever you're doing. I mean, it just makes sense. It's, Having said that, I just finished a Bell Witch episode where I did not name the writer, but that was more. There's there were some there were some potentially negative to yeah things to yeah. But you did cite your other sources, yeah. in particular the historian and, yeah. and stuff like that. So you know that I think that's. I don't know. I, you're right. I mean, if you have a voice and you feel like you have something to say about Bigfoot, you have every right to do that. Mm-hmm. And the tools are absolutely there now. Yeah. But I think you don't even have to feel like you have to pass through various gates. There in are. Order. There, there should, if someone tells you there's a gate in the Bigfoot world, yeah. knock it down. Right. Like, right. This is, of all the of all the subjects I've been into, this is the one that I can point to and say there really aren't any living figureheads of of Bigfoot. You might disagree with me. I know of one person that people are going to say that's the figurehead of Bigfoot. I disagree. I, it, it, I just don't see any. I don't see icons existing in the Bigfoot world today. There are, there were people like John Green and, Peter Byrne is Peter Byrne still with us, but how much is Peter Byrne still involved in the actual investigation or research of Bigfoot? Yeah. Um, and so to me, I just don't see that you, you, I don't know that you should have to go through any hoops to talk about any subject, but especially that stands true for Bigfoot more than most. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, just knock, knock the wall down, knock them down, knock the wall down. Um, is that it? Do we have? Yeah. Well, there's one other thing. Yeah. I yeah. Oh, to good. Mention real He's quickly. got a smile on his face. Yeah. He's ready. Well, it's, um, it, it was the fact that you found, Oh no, it's good. <laughs> you piece of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes out. Yeah. No, you found a video about Renee de Hinden. Oh yeah. And you sent it to me and I watched it. And that was really striking. Mm. I'd never seen that before. Or if I had seen, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'll just say it. I hadn't seen it. Tragic is how I yeah. framed it. Yeah. And um, I guess that was, we've always heard that and known about Renee's mm. single-minded quest. And I guess that was, um, it was interesting to see the way, I think it was produced by a Canadian broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a news yeah. clip. And when it started, I thought, oh man, this is just going to, this is just like a hit piece on yeah. Renee DeHinden. Yeah. And it didn't turn out to be that no. necessarily. I don't think it was at all. But it let the, he, he it hung let Hinden, Yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it gave him enough rope to say, um, here's what is, here's what I've done to myself based on my my quest for this this truth yeah all those young answer. young people were talking about getting into the subject and like the young <clears throat> young podcasters you go watch it because like this is what you don't want to do right you don't want to get to the point where you leave your wife and children to go hunt for bigfoot literally leave them as in not just go away for the weekend like walk away from your family 
for good to go to go hunt. And I do think he eventually reconnected with his son. His sons? Is it two sons? Yeah. He eventually reconnected with them, I believe. I might be wrong. But to, that was... I had heard that. I just guess I never yeah. heard. And you're hearing it from his ex-wife. Or it was wife. remarkable yeah. that she even agreed to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And she seemed to have uh, some degree of warmth for him still mm-hmm. after all of that. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I think definitely if you can, if you can locate that, watch it and let it be a lesson to, you know, diversify your interests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't go don't don't go down the rabbit hole not too far oh you don't like that cliche of the rabbit hole either i don't yeah I'm sorry. i don't i mean that's uh, fine i uh, there's some things how many times did i use it in legacy like 30 no i didn't let it that happen <laughs> <laughs> every time you saw it you're yeah. like nope coming out no i do i loved that video like i, I watched mm-hmm. that at a, a, during a morning here at the office that actually was one of the things that kind of got me excited to go back out and do Bigfoot stuff mm-hmm. as weird as it might sound. Yeah. Well, it was, it was beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, even given the limitations yeah. of the time they were out there and like, wasn't there a shot where the reporters talking in the foreground and yeah, the Hindu comes in walking the- <laughs> off or yeah, walking in, in the background. I mean, it's stuff like that, that you can't replicate. Yeah. It's, it's just of a time and it's really, it's a lot of fun. Um, so that's the that's where we're at with Bigfoot today. We could still. It's funny, like we get talked. Pe- people talk to us a lot about listening to Sasswat and how people. Uh, there, there are still people that are huge Sasswat fans, and they go back and listen to the show. It is the easiest subject for Mark and I to talk about by far because we don't have to do. I don't think the level of research that we do with everything else. Right. With Bigfoot, you can just sit down, turn the mics on, and start going. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, um, if you want to leave a rating review on iTunes, you should find us on most social media and we're going to make Bell Witch now. So not Mark and I, we got to go. We're taking Andy though, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Uh, you can tune in next week. Maybe there might be a show next week. It depends on what Mark and I do next. All right. We'll talk to you later. Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth.